0: We have most of our worship band with us today. We do, our drummer's out, Mr. Joe, his father's sick, so we'll be praying for him and their family. But we uh, enjoy having everybody else here today. And, um, well, an elderly lady was well known for her faith and for her boldness in talking about her faith. And so she would stand on her front porch from time to time, and she would shout, Praise the Lord over every little thing. Bill, you know that woman probably, don't you? <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? And, and next door to her lived an atheist who would get so angry at her proclamations, he would shout in response, there ain't no Lord. Well, she went through some hard times, and uh, she stood one, one afternoon and prayed for God to send her some assistance. And she st- stood on her porch, and she said, praise the Lord. God, I need food. I'm going through a hard time Please, Lord, send me some groceries. Well, the next morning, the lady went out on her porch, and she saw several large bags of groceries. And she shouted, Praise the Lord! Well, the neighbor jumped from behind a bush and said, Ha-ha, I told you there was no Lord. I bought those groceries. God did not. Well, the lady started jumping up and down and clapping her hands. Praise the Lord, she said. He not only sent me groceries, but he made the devil pay for them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, there you go, right? So you could all say that that woman had tremendous faith in her God, and, and even an atheist God can use, amen? He can use what he needs to do to accomplish his purposes. Well, she had tremendous faith in God, as we know, and faith is a central tenet of Christianity, but it's often used so often that I believe we can somehow forget the true meaning of faith. So today we're going to look at some aspects of the nature of faith, and we're starting in Luke 17 in verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed... You could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who, has, who had a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he's coming from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So, you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Father in heaven, as we look at this passage today about faith, uh, we see some teachings here that are a little difficult maybe to understand. Uh, But really, Lord, they're not, they're very clear. Yet, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around how we apply them sometimes. We have a hard time, Lord, understanding how they can be so true, how they can be so simple. So, Father, as we look at this passage today, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and my words are yours and and fill me with your spirit and that we would understand some aspects of what faith is, Lord. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name amen today i want to show you three things in this passage that we find about the nature of faith three things we find in this passage about the nature of faith number one faith firstly is a gift faith is a gift you know what a gift is it's not something you buy it's something you receive free of charge that's what makes it a gift Verse 5 tells us that the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now the context of this request, if you look up to the four verses above it that we preached last week, comes on the heels of that passage. Jesus had instructed the apostles that they needed to avoid temptation. He told them in that passage they needed to turn from sin and that they needed to practice forgiveness when people sin against them so that's what they just heard they heard avoid sin at all costs repent of it and then when people sin against you forgive them and what's their response help <laughs> how increase our faith and maybe that's how you felt if you were here last week Or if you read that passage today, that's how you you think. Sure, I'll just avoid sin. Sure, I'll just turn from sin. Sure, I'll just forgive anyone who sins against me. Right? Easy, right? No, it's not. It's not easy, which is why the apostles who walked closely with Jesus, closer than anybody else, reply in the way they do. Increase our faith. Help us. So there's several things about this request. Number one. They rightly request that and understand that their faith comes from God. Their faith comes from God. Increase our faith in you, they're saying. So they're requesting the right thing. Look at Ephesians 2:8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. I'll read that again. For by grace you've been saved. Through faith. And this is not your own doing, but it is the gift of God. What he's saying is that your salvation was not procured by yourself. You did nothing to obtain it. You were saved by the grace of God. What is that? Well, God's grace is simply the withholding of punishment for sin. You deserve, you deserve the consequence of it, but he withholds it. You broke God's law, you deserve the punishment, but he withholds it because through Jesus' death, through Jesus' burial, through Jesus' resurrection on the third day from the grave, he satisfied the wrath of God for your sins. That is grace. So you don't have to pay for it. He took your place. We just sing about that today. So you've been saved because... God relented on his obligation to punish sin. See, he is obliged to punish it, but he relented on it. And Jesus took your place. Amen? That is the gospel. That is grace. So it says here that you're saved by grace, but then faith is the conduit. It is the route. You're saved when you place your faith In the work that Jesus accomplished see faith is the conscious decision that you believe that Jesus did what the Bible tells us he did that he was resurrected on the third day if you believe and agree with the gospel message that is called faith that's the central aspect of it but even faith isn't something you produce yourself you don't produce it God created everything he even created you, he, the ability for you to have faith. He's given us everything. The fact that you have faith is a gift from God. The Bible just tells us that in Ephesians 2.8. It's a profound truth, yet it still is difficult to truly comprehend. Even though we make individual decisions to believe in Jesus' work on the cross and be saved, God is still active in that process as he gives us the faith to do so, so that we can't boast about it. That's what the Bible tells us. We still make that conscious decision, but God has given us the ability to do so. Even faith is a gift. So when the apostles ask Jesus to increase their faith, they're going to the right source. They're saying, Lord, we don't know if we have enough faith to avoid sin. We don't know if we have enough faith to turn from sin in our lives we don't know if we have enough faith to forgive those who've sinned against us help us believe in you for that see the nature of our faith is such that the object of our faith who are we trusting is jesus we're trusting him we're not trusting ourselves and we're not trusting our ability to trust in jesus sometimes i think we do that if I just get myself together, I can believe in Jesus more. No, no, no. You're believing in yourself to believe in Jesus more. That's not what you're doing. You're placing your faith in Jesus, not in your ability to believe in Jesus. You place it in him. You can't live the Christian faith relying on your ability to believe in Jesus. You live the Christian faith by believing in Jesus. Amen? Ask God... To increase your faith because it's a gift, and that is the right thing to do. So, faith is a gift. Secondly, not only is it a gift, faith is a tool. You know, something that helps make a job easier, a tool. You know, if uh, if uh, one of my little three-year-olds' electronic toys, um, if the batteries die, um, I can use a uh, a steak knife to open up the batteries area it's a whole lot easier if i have a screwdriver (laughs) a whole lot easier if i have the right tool to get those batteries out and faith is a tool that he's given us look at verse six the lord said if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed you could say to this mulberry tree be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you have y'all done that recently Have you told a tree in your yard to go to the Atlantic Ocean? You know, I can't even keep a tree alive, let alone uproot it and send it somewhere. Does that mean I have no faith? At 10 a.m. this morning, I have a reminder on my phone that goes off every three weeks. And at 10 a.m. this morning, it went off, and it said, water the plant in your office. Because if I don't do it, it'll die. And that plant was given to my mother the day I was born, so I really don't need that thing to die. It's called the Charlie plant, (laughs) all right? So, uh, and so every three weeks it is watered. Uh, but if I didn't do that, the thing would shrivel up and it would die. And a couple times it's almost died, but we have brought it back to life, right? I don't know what in the world I'm talking about, but anyhow. Um, but as difficult as it is to keep pl- plants alive, he's saying if you just have a little bit of faith, you can send a tree into the ocean. Does that make you feel like you have no faith? It makes me feel like I have no faith when I read this. This is one of the more famous passages about faith. There's one that's similar. It's more famous. When we read this, we forget that it's attached to the previous verse, to the previous passage. We read this, we think, oh, that's easy. Just have faith, right? Or we think, wow, I really have no faith. I've never sent a tree to the ocean, and none of y'all have had either, because you would have told me about it. It would have been on the prayer sheets. It would have been in the bulletin. It would have been on the news. So this passage can bring joy or it can bring extreme heartache, especially if you've ever looked at a tree and you're disappointed that it didn't obey you and go to the sea. So apparently Jesus taught this truth in more than several ways. One day he wasn't near a mulberry tree. Instead, one day he was looking at a mountain range, and he said this in Matthew 17. Because of your little faith, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, there's that same phrase, you will say to this mountain over here, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So now you go from a tree to a mountain, right? Same principle that he seems to be teaching. So it seems whatever large object Jesus was near, he would say, listen, it only takes a small amount of faith to produce seemingly impossible Tasks. Now, I believe the best way we interpret this is not completely literally, because again, like I said, if it was completely literal, then all of us would be moving mountains every day. Okay? We'd be having earthquakes all over the place, right? And then we'd have zero faith if, if that was the case. The point Jesus is making is this with faith, anything is possible. If God so willed that tree to go into the ocean, it would. If God so willed that mountain to be moved, it would. He's saying this, anything is possible. So if you just have a little bit of faith, he says, you can resist the temptation of sin. You can resist sinning. You can turn from sin. You can resist bringing sin into others' lives. And because of this gift, he says, if you just have a little bit of faith, you can forgive other people well, pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. It doesn't matter what they've done. The Bible says you can forgive if you have faith in Jesus. Not faith in yourself to forgive, faith in Jesus to help you. No matter what horrible things someone's done to you, through the gift of faith, it is a tool you can use. It seems impossible. It's a tool. Last week when the hurricane came through or storm or whatever it was we got, I was outside walking around picking up the sticks and everything, and, uh, and after I picked about four or five of them up, I said, you know what, I need a wheelbarrow. <laughs> this would be a lot easier. So I went and got the wheelbarrow, filled up two large parts of it, dumped them off on the street, and instead of being out there for 10 hours, I was out there for maybe an hour at the most, right? Got it done, right? And so, but what if you'd walked by and you'd saw me picking up four or five sticks and taking them to the road, walking back, Picking up four or five sticks, taking the road, you'd say, "Pastor, what are you doing? You got a wheelbarrow over here." Say, "Oh, I don't need that. I can do it myself." You'd be like, "Why? Well, I don't, I don't need it. it. You have a tool right there that can help you. Well, I'm okay. I'll get it done eventually." See, when we don't access faith like a tool, it's like we're just doing things that make no sense. Sure, you can spend all day long taking four or five big limbs to the road at a time. Or you can take your wheelbarrow and go from spot to spot and fill them all up and dump it all at once. That's what a tool is for. It's to make your life easier. This is why we use backhoes, not plows, right? We have the tools to make our lives easier. You say, well, I I can never forgive that person. You just don't understand what they did to me. You're right. You can't if you don't use the right tools. If you don't use the tool of faith in Jesus, you're not going to forgive them. See, when you believe in Jesus, you can do things that seem impossible, like forgiving whoever hurt you, like turning from sin in your life, like avoiding the sin in your life. You can use it, and so we are called to use it. So it's a gift that we've been given, and it's a tool that we've been given. Right? If I gave you a weed eater, and you were out there with scissors cutting your Cutting your grass or cutting your, your trimmings. I bet, like, what are you doing? I gave you that weed eater for a reason. Why are you out there with scissors? That's how we try to live the Christian life sometimes. We don't use the tools God's given us, and faith is a tool he's given us. So that's what he's saying. And then finally, three, he completes the picture and he says that not only is faith a gift and faith is a tool, it is a duty. It's a duty. What does that mean? Faith leads us to be dutiful servants of Christ. Now, at first, when you read this, this seems a little awkward. But in context, it makes more sense. Look at verse 7. He says, Well, any of you who has a servant, and I don't have any servants, and maybe you do or have, so I I can't quite understand this. I do have four children that we treat like servants sometimes. But if you have a servant that's plowing... Or keeping sheep, say to him when he's come in the field, would you tell him come in and recline at table? Now you might be thinking, well, yeah, you would. That's a nice thing to do, right? We're all Southerners here, so what would we would do. But Jesus says that if you have servants you're doing yard work or housework, when they get off work, do you let them come in and eat with you? Now again, in our in our first glance in our culture of Southern hospitality, you would probably do that. But that's not how things worked in the Bible. Hey, here's a newsflash: the Bible was not the South. It wasn't. Israel was not the South. You didn't come in after a heart, come in and have some sweet tea. After Invite you in. There was no Southern hospitality. This is not how it worked. Servant did the servant's job until it was completed. That's what they did. This is what Jesus is telling them. It's kind of a hard thing to hear. It would never happen in the biblical times. You would not invite your servant to eat with you until he served your food first. Look what he says in verse 8. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you'll eat and drink? Well, That seems rude. Well, sometimes what things seem as rude is not necessarily sin. This is what the relationship was between a servant and a master. The duty of the servant was to feed the master first. He worked in the field, he would come in, then he would feed the master. You see the parallel Jesus is drawing? It's kind of uncomfortable to see, isn't it? He's saying, disciples, you're not the masters. You're not the kings. You're servants. I think we have this version of Christianity that floats around that tends to think that, that when we become a Christian, we're God. That God serves us in some way. Like, like he's some type of genie in a bottle. We just rub that bottle, the genie pops out, and he says, hey, what do you want? We say, infinity number of wishes is what I want. That's not how God acts. He's not some genie in a bottle. That's not God. Yes, God served us by going to the cross and dying for our sins. Yes, Jesus modeled service to us, and he served others. But let's not forget that when we receive salvation, we put our faith in God, and our life is is radically changed, we become new people, we have eternal life, we have the abundant life here, we have everything, we are, we are joint heirs with Christ, we have, we're into his family, but we are not the king, we don't supplant him off his throne. It's his throne. Every now and then I come home, one of my children is sitting in my chair, and I say quickly, oh, that's my seat, you can sit anywhere you want in this You know, in the whole house, the whole house is yours. I have one seat, right? My bed's not even mine, right? (laughs) I just want my chair. We don't deserve to, to kick the king off the throne. He's given us the whole kingdom, but the throne is his. Let's not forget that he is ultimately the master. We are servants of his kingdom, he's not a servant in our kingdom. We do realize that a believer, this is not your kingdom, right? This is what he's telling the disciples. We fail to remember that truth, and our faith will never be complete until we understand that we are servants of the king. Look at verse 9. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? No. Well, that's not nice. It was his job. You ever been thanked for uh, doing your job before? It makes you feel awkward, right? You're like, well, that's my job, right? That's, that's what I do. A couple weeks ago when I went and uh, did the eulogy for my friend's funeral, the family was just so thankful for me. and I'm like, I appreciate your thankfulness, but i would be here no matter what. It's my duty to be here. My best friend happened to have a friend that was a pastor. I'm going to do his eulogy. That's, that's what, that's what we we're going to do. If You ask me to do it, I'm going to do it, right? It's, it's what you do. God expects, the master expects the servant to serve him, right? He expects the servant to serve his kingdom. He didn't say, thank you for serving me. No, that's the job. That's the job. Part of increasing our faith means that we serve his kingdom. We'll never be complete. We'll never be perfect disciples unless we're serving his church and his kingdom in some way. And when we finally get this truth, we can agree with Jesus. Look at verse 10. So he says this. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, say this, we are unworthy servants. Again, not something that you have in your mug. We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. It's a joy to be serving. It's a joy to be handing out a thousand hot dogs with a town in a few weeks from now. It's a joy to be greeting people. It's a joy to be working in the nursery. It's a joy to be giving a a prayer. It's a joy to be leading worship. It's a joy to be able to preach God's word. It's a joy to be able to teach Sunday school. It's a joy to be able to evangelize, to share the gospel with people. It's a joy and a duty to invite people to church. It's what we're called to do. We are servants of the kingdom. We don't need a thanks. It's nice to be appreciated. October is past appreciation month. I love it but I would do it if I wasn't appreciated. It was our duty. Serving in faith is a duty. So, faith is a gift. It's a tool. And it's something we are called to do. Well, there was old, many years ago, there was an old, old farmer, and he found a little girl that was lost in his meadow. And he came up to her, and she was crying. I said, oh, honey, don't cry. I'll take you home. And I, I know how kids can get lost. I was at the uh, corn maze uh, yesterday, and we weren't even in the maze. Three-year-old John David was running across the hole. I couldn't catch him. You know, I actually had to run, and I ran a lot further than I have in a while. My children were making fun of me. You should not run like that, Dad. You're running differently now. right? So I know what it's like how a kid can get lost quickly and this, years ago this happened and the farmer said I'll take you home and the child snuggled up to him and she said I knew you would I've been waiting for you and he said waiting for me you don't even know who I am what made you think I was even going to come she said I was praying you would come and the old farmer said praying when I heard you I, I didn't hear you praying I just heard you saying the alphabet I heard you saying a b c d e f g what what, what were you saying in the alphabet? Little girl said, Well, I was praying all the letters of the alphabet and letting God put them together the way He wanted to. If I just say all the letters, God will put the words together for what I need. That is faith, amen. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray for, we just need to pray, and God will put the letters together. Faith's a gift. It's a tool and it's a duty. So let's be faithful and let God put the words together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, as we close our time together today, well, we do thank you for giving us that faith and then allowing us to use it and showing us we just need to believe in you. And we don't know what that looks like sometimes. We don't know what it even feels like, but just like that woman who, who you blessed her by using her neighbor right, in a way that he thought would never happen. But let us place our faith in you. When we have those difficult tasks you've told us to do, we have sins in our life we are turning from or trying to avoid or people in our life who've sinned against us. And we can forgive them. Lord. How? Because we can have faith in you. And you'll give us that ability. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, if there's one in here that's never placed their faith in you today, that they would do so today. That they would receive forgiveness from their sins. Lord, and you would create in them a new new life. And give them eternal life. Lord, thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.